Welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm bored. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> <laughs> And our show is located on the ancestral lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecum Sequetum territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequetum Ulu. And today's text is Through My Window, which is set nominally in North Carolina. I mean, this book is placeless, Joe. <laughs> Truly. But North Carolina is the traditional home of the Lumbee and Tuscarora peoples. So we're going with that. Sure. Joe, mm -hmm. what did you do? What did you do? <laughs> Come through my window. <laughs> okay, you know what? Do you know how annoyed it was as a millennial reader to have not one single reference to that song in either book or film? Yeah, I mean, it would have been more fun if we could spend the next hour talking about Melissa Etheridge's, like, seminal ode to lesbian sex. But um, unfortunately, we got to talk about this super bland book and movie combo, Brenna. Oh, my God. Joe, I don't know what we did in a past life to be subjected to all of these sex books written by people who seem like they've never had sex, but I don't mm -hmm. want to do any more of them. I don't want to do any more of them. I know you're going to make me finish this series probably, but I don't want to. This one? No. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> yeah. So, folks, we are definitely back in the world of Wattpad, where Ugh. we have previously discussed things like After. There was some other one that I can't remember that was also awful. I don't remember. Yeah. These are forgettable books, my friends. Forgettable. They're very bad. It was the one where you were like really, really mad because the geography was all wrong. It was set in the UK. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, this one is just so perplexing. Like, I'm not surprised that it became a big hit because it is definitely modeled after Twilight and after and all of those other books where it's basically like a woman who is hurt by a man. And every time he hurts her more, she thinks, oh, I'm in love. Yeah, there are aspects of this that I found more and less disturbing than some of the other titles we've talked about. And I know we'll get into it today. But sex is really used to like degrade and humiliate this woman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and like, mm -hmm. what happens over and over again, it's not just like, oh, we had sex and you thought it meant more and you're stupid, which is the theme throughout. But it's like, right. oh, we had sex. And, you know, the fact that I can have you is proof that you're just worthless as a person. It's like, mm -hmm. who is finding this hot? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Who is hurting these women? Why are we responding to it? But then also, I just love this idea that this book and this film are considered by some people to be sex positive because it's about a young woman claiming agency over her sexuality. And I was like... I mean, yeah, she kind of goes for this guy that she considers out of her league. But then the whole message of this is, oh, he learned that his dad got cheated on. So love is bad. So he taught himself never to fall in love and instead to berate women for the things that they take sexual pleasure in. So it's like, oh, Bretta, you had sex and you enjoyed this thing. And now I'm going to mock you for it yep. and then be like, I could do it to you again. Ugh. Every woman in this text is, like, portrayed to be slutty, and mm -hmm. it's really, like, this book hates women, 
on just a really fundamental level. And the other thing that this book is really interested in is like teaching men not to be like, I don't know. It's almost like it's a book about cuckolding or something, except that it's like (laughs) 2023 and I don't understand. Anyway, should we do a plot summary? Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm eager to hear you try to tackle this. Oh, hell's bells. Okay, so uh, through my window, we haven't even said it's by Ariana Godoy, who's a Venezuelan-American writer. The protagonist of this book is Raquel Alvarez, and uh, she apparently wants to be a psychologist. This is like... It's very alarming. It's... (laughs) It's alarming because it in no way motivates any of her choices at any point in the text. But by the end, we're supposed to believe that it's the driving passion of her life. Anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. Well, it does, Brenda, because it determines where she'll go to university and how it's not in close proximity to where Aries goes to university. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, Yes, I... The whole thing, it doesn't matter. Whatever. We're going to come back to this, but Wattpad books need editors. I don't know what you guys are doing over there at Wattpad, but like, stop publishing books if you don't want to hire editors. That's fine. That's it. Anyway. (laughs) That's the takeaway. (laughs) So the basic premise is that Raquel has this hot neighbor. She lives next door. Somehow she lives in like the smallest, most like unassuming home in the world. And also her neighbor lives in a palace. Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. what the urban planning is in this neighborhood in North Carolina, but it's very strange. (laughs) I will say I really appreciated the film when it gives us the geographical map where it's like, here's her house. And then his his palatial house that surrounds it. Yeah, it's hilarious. It at least makes sense in sort of the like the way streets work in Europe. It doesn't make any sense in North Carolina. Anyway, Mm -hmm. all this to say, One day, Raquel sees the youngest brother of the three boys who live in the family next door uh, using her internet. And she's like, why are you using my internet? And he's like, my brother gave me your Wi-Fi password. And she's like, what? And it turns out that Ares has like hacked the mainframe or something and gotten her password and also seen all of her computer files. Ares is the boy she's in love with next door, who it turns out she's been stalking all this time. Mm-hmm. To get back at him, she goes to watch him at a soccer game and then follows him through a graveyard where they they make out, I guess. Well, Brenna, that's not her getting back at him. That's what she does all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, this is what her life is. She has two friends and she spends the rest of her time literally stalking this boy. Yes, and that, sorry, the friends are Danny, who is her girl best friend, and Yoshi, is who is her boy best friend, who is obviously in love with her, mm-hmm. and seems like a great match until he does something horrifically toxic at the three-quarters point in the book to make you want her to be with Aries, I guess. Um, I don't know, is he perfect for her? Because he comes up to her and is just like, I'm going to be your future husband, ha ha, and she's like... Uh, no, mm-mm, that's Carlos. Oh, gosh. I'm confusing the film <laughs> and the book. So, the film blends those two characters together. But in the book, she has her best friend, Yoshi, who is a good dude until he right. turns toxic. Okay. And then there's Carlos, who is like this weird Creep. kid who <laughs> likes to announce that he's going to marry her one day. Obviously, right. it's really important that you understand, Cho, that even though she sees herself as super plain, there are upwards of three men who want to do things at her all the time. Oh my god, can you never say do things <laughs> at her ever again? That's the quality of intimacy in this book, and you know it. Um, <laughs> my penis! <laughs> and that's, that's generally one of the larger issues with the text, is that this is... You know, I hate Mary Sue discourse. I think in general, women Mm. should be allowed to write wish fulfillment protagonists just as much as men have spent all of history doing. Mm -hmm. 
But this protagonist is ridiculous. She's simultaneously wildly self-involved, only aware of the world as it revolves around her, but also perfect at everything, unless it's helpful to the narrative for her to be clumsy or klutzy for a moment. But like, otherwise, she's just entirely perfect and doesn't know it. And it's such a boring trope at this mm-hmm. point that like the young woman needs the adoration of in this case three young men in order more than that actually once she meets marco ours yeah because all of ours as friends also want to get with her so it's like this constant need for external validation about mm-hmm. who she is and she never grows past it in all the uh, how many pages was this book joe like in all of like the pages 150 yeah and she never grows past that anyway whatever so obviously she and aries start having sex in all kinds of different positions in ways that don't make a lot of sense literally defy actual human body relationships yeah Yeah. like i can't fathom it uh anyway whatever and she seems to find pleasure in this and then what happens is she falls in love and she wants him to note that he is also falling in love but he can't fall in love because as Mm -mm. joe already indicated he has a toxic father so The text has to be about him falling in love. Oh, also, he wants to be a doctor, and that makes his family hate him (laughs) for reasons that make a lot of sense. (laughs) Right? That was one of my absolute favorite plot points, is that he is super rich, and he wants to become a doctor, which is something that literally any parent would dream of, unless they were dirt poor and couldn't afford to send their child to said medical school. And instead, his family is like, uh, we're a family of business. We do business in this family. Business, business is our lives. We're a family of business people. You can't be doctor. That's gross. What's wrong with you? And he ends up having to like bring in his dying grandfather, which is the reason he wanted to be a doctor in the first place. Oh my God, it just makes him so lovable, Brenna. I'm sorry. I'm sounding like super sarcastic, but the reality is, is like, The motivations for most of these characters, their interactions, the so-called life lessons that we're learning from various things, none of it lands. None of it lands because none of these characters, for all the time we are required to spend with them, are developed to any degree. And so instead, it's just like if you're not into awkward sex, there's not a lot for you in this book. It's just so repetitious too, right? Like, I think that was my big issue. Like, it's actually a very, very fast read. I had no difficulty reading this one because I know you want to bring up after and how the last time we tried to do a book like this, I didn't finish it. I wasn't going to because you told me I was only going to get to do it once in the episode. And if I can't have a recurring bit, I'm not interested. (laughs) Well, that was your one time. So I hope that you're satisfied. (laughs) I am not. I just found... It's so perplexing. Like you can you can definitely tell that this is a Wattpad book because it's so episodic, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, we go and we do this thing and stuff happens and then the next day comes around and we all act like nothing has happened because that was clearly last week's or yesterday's chapter and there's <laughs> like it doesn't build on anything. So we just have to go through the same fights over and over again, you know. They have sex. There's some kind of weird misunderstanding where the minute they're done bumping uglies, he's like, I'm going to go. And she goes, I thought you loved me. I thought you would change. And they get into a fight for two days and then he climbs through a window and they have sex again. Yep, that's exactly it. Over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, Anyway, somehow we're supposed to find this incredibly compelling, but I don't. 
I'll confess, I legitimately don't know why anyone would find Ares an attractive boy. Mm -hmm. Like, why would we root for Raquel and him to get together? Because he is legitimately awful. He's has very few redeeming qualities. Like, literally, his only redeeming quality is this thing about his wanting to save his grandfather, and that's why he wants to become a doctor. Mm -hmm. But even that often reads like this sort of weird childhood family rebellion thing instead of like a meaningful desire to do good in the world like he's or that he's a complete narcissist yes that too yeah he's just he's really repulsive and it's <laughs> and he's so cruel to her and he's so casually cruel to her even once they have this big heart to heart and i think this is one of my frustrations with the book that does manifest in a lot of these these episodic stories is like mm -hmm. They have a big heart-to-heart -heart talk where it's like he's going to try to be the boyfriend she needs him to be. Right. And he, she's going to withhold sex until he <laughs> can show that he can love her. Right. We're starting back at, at zero. Like, we're going to take it from the start. And then in the immediate, immediate next chapter, he's being cruel to her again and she ends up banging him in the nightclub. And it's just <laughs> like any – I I don't like these books, Joe. I just <laughs> I don't like them. And I think my biggest frustration with them is not the structure that they take online because you know, these kinds of books, these episodic stories have a huge audience and yeah. I think that that's great. I think people should like what they like and I think folks who write for free online for people to enjoy, I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. What I find deeply exploitative is the relationship between the Wattpad like online community and their publishing arm because this book was not edited. Like no. It was not edited to the point where like characters' names get spelled different ways within mm -hmm. the same chapter. Apollo's name is like one L sometimes, it's two L's another time. Where they are in a location is not even like it's not even edited for continuity, mm -mm. let alone for like structure. And I the reason I think that that is exploitative is because the person in this power relationship, like yes, Ariana Godoy, I hope she got I hope she got her bag. Like I hope she made sure. a ton of money off this because you know, Netflix is now running with it. It's going to be multiple multiple mm -hmm. films. Oh yeah, the second movie is coming out this week. It's why we decided to cover it at this particular time. We is doing some heavy lifting there. But um ah. <laughs> But the publication, like the publisher here, Wattpad, mm -hmm. the publisher, I think this is exploitative as hell because they're not doing their best to make Ariana Godoy look like an accomplished, successful writer. And I don't know what other publishing house would pick her up after a book like this comes out because it doesn't show what she's capable of accomplishing or I I just I just think the whole thing is gross. I think it's one mm -hmm. thing to be free online or like pay a token amount to read the end of the story or whatever, and it's another thing to decide you also need to manifest these 4 and 500 page tomes that you put zero effort into turning into like actual books. Yeah, and listeners, lest you think that we're coming down overly hard on Wattpad for doing this, there's not just the issues that Brenna's talking about, but when you read the book, there will be several points in the narrative where you think, okay, and now the book is going to wrap up because this is a logical place to end it. And yet it's clear that Godoy was still writing chapters and mm -hmm. we just didn't quite know 
when or how to say, okay, well, that's the end of book one. Because yes, there are three books in this series at minimum right now. And I believe one from each brother's perspective. Oh, good. Uh -huh. Thank oh, fantastic. <laughs> that's what I need. <laughs> but you'll find like we get to this point where there's a huge incident. We'll, we'll go into it in a moment, but it all sort of comes together around Christmas time. And you think, mm -hmm. okay, this is a natural stopping point. Ares has proven that he's going to be a good boyfriend. He came back from Christmas vacation to comfort Raquel. Good. Let's stop it. And then the book continues for 70 more pages, yeah. give or take. And we go through the rest of the school year arbitrarily so that we can end on another quote unquote romantic cliffhanger where they go off to their separate colleges. And it just it doesn't make any sense. You're like, no, anyone in their right mind would have said, this is where you end this book. It's already so long. Why yeah. would we keep going? And yet it seems like they took a paper shredder, chopped the book, and then they were just like, <laughs> rush it out onto shelves and charge people $15 for this. Yeah. Yeah. I find the whole thing super gross. But speaking of super gross, Joe, let's talk about that inciting incident, which I also found super gross. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, because you started to sound like, oh, you know, Godoy, like she could be a good writer if she had a better editor. No, let's not sugarcoat it. She's a horrible writer. And then she pulls, frankly, grossly exploitative BS like this, which made me want to pitch this book off my roof. So every year on New Year's Day night, New Year's, like the moment that New Year's happens. That's midnight, mm -hmm. right, Joe? There we go. Okay. So every year- Showing your real mid-30s white lady in this there. <laughs> I've got a baby. I don't make it to New Year's. <laughs> I didn't make it to New Year's before I had a baby anyway. That's bad. Mm -hmm. um, so- we have this like tradition between Raquel and Yoshi that they meet at New Year's and they hug. That's like their thing that they've done mm -hmm. for their whole lives because they've been best friends forever. But of course, in the intervening years since the last time they had their tradition, Yoshi has confessed his love to Raquel uh, unrequitedly, of course, although right. she kind of has some feelings for him, but then she kind of doesn't. That's just to drag out the plot. Yeah, but then of course. Heartbroken, he makes his toxic move where he goes from being, oh, this guy should have been her boyfriend to, oh, everybody in this book is a monster. Mm -hmm. And he spills the beans about her secret relationship with Ares to her mother, who is very protective and also completely absent from the Indeed. book. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> and so they haven't spoken since that happened. But Raquel is having second thoughts about that on New Year's when she's missing Yoshi and she wants to go and find him. And uh, instead, what happens is that Yoshi makes an attempt to to die by suicide that night. Right. And it is one of the most emotionally manipulative, exploitative sections of this book. And I think what is grossest about it is that it's entirely about how Yoshi's behavior has impacted Raquel. Like, that's mm -hmm. it. That's... Yep. All of it. We don't. It's find all about her all anything. the time. We don't know anything about Yoshi or like what else put him in this position or like his history or what's been going on with him for the last few months. No, it's all about Raquel and how sad this makes her and how when he doesn't hear from her, Ares takes this as a sign to fly back from Greece where he's on holiday with his parents and have sex with her because mm -hmm. that's that's what you do it's in this scenario. Mm -hmm. I hated mm -hmm. everything about this scene from the moment where 
her mother, who is a nurse, has apparently so much pull at the hospital that she gets them a room to stay in for free so mm-hmm. that they can keep an eye on Yoshi. So Not a thing. Not a thing. Um, to the way in which, like, Yoshi is absolutely sidelined, even in these scenes that should be totally about him and his experiences. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's unnecessary. It's gross. It's a terrible way to write about something as important in, and mm-hmm. significant in the young adult experience as suicidal ideation. Like, yep, this is a really irresponsible thing to put in a YA book. Yep. And then as soon as it's done, so is Yoshi. Yoshi yeah, is we absent never from see the rest Yoshi of this again. book. <laughs> no. Yoshi might as well have died as far as the narrative is concerned. Mm-hmm. But it's okay because Raquel and Ari's, you know, managed to make things work. Their sex life's back on track. But what's wild about it is like that whole time she's like, I've really thrown away a friendship. I should have thought about talking to him more. It's actually really important that I have more relationships in my life than just Ari's. Like, like this Oh, wait, is- the dick is back. Never mind. <laughs> I, I rescind everything. Yeah. Oh, I hate all of these people so much. Know what else is really terrible? Just because I can't stop harping on it. Uh, The fact that we also get Twilight-esque points of view switches. So every like third or fourth chapter, we'll get a couple of pages from Ares' point of view. So I know know that I said the stuff about Yoshi is my least favorite part of the book, but this is actually (laughs) my least favorite part of the book. And let me tell thee why, Joe. Okay. It is amazing how... Even reading about his behavior from Ares's point of view mm-hmm. does not make him any more like nope. either likable or comprehensible as a character. <laughs> no, it, it definitely doesn't redeem him, which I think is what its purpose is. Like yes. we're supposed to glean insight into the way that he's approaching these situations. Because of course, if not, we just have Raquel's point of view and she's infatuated. She's not really trying to understand things from his point of view. And then we get this reveal that he doesn't really have that. Like, the way that he approaches these situations is exactly the way that we think he is because he is mean and awful and narcissistic and he enjoys playing with her, even to the point that he calls her witch throughout the entire book. And it's supposed to be a term of endearment because she has bewitched him, like put a spell on him. But instead, it basically... He just calls her witch the whole book. (laughs) Their pet names for each other are the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. So he calls her witch and she calls him Greek god. But like exactly, not like, not even like my Greek god, like just Greek god. So she'll be like, why do you do this to me, Greek god? It's like, what? That doesn't even make sense as a sentence. (laughs) I mean, that's when she's not praying to uh, the virgin of abdominal muscles, Brenna. There's just certain things where like, you could only write this. And it made me very happy when at least the screenwriters realize we cannot do this on the screen because it will absolutely not work. So they leave it out. There's like one Greek god reference, one witch reference in the film. But did you catch the Virgin of Abdominals reference, Joe? I did, yes. Right at the very end. Gotta squeeze it in. She writes it on a post-it note. On that post-it note wall that clearly was important at some point in the narrative but got cut out because it's Mm -hmm. like the last shot of the film is this post-it note wall. You're like, wait, what? 
Where's that from? <laughs> Where did this come from? What? <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I think that in general, it's those kinds of choices that show Godoy to be a not particularly sophisticated writer. Like, mm-hmm. there's no sense here that this is the dialogue of actual human beings. No, no. Like, we could belabor the fact that she's obviously a bad writer. We could belabor the fact that she seemingly has never had sex before. And yet she talks in her author bio about having a family. And I'm just like, I'm not convinced you have ever intimately touched someone because... Okay, I I do have to say this, Brenda. I'm sorry, this is going to sound slightly more R-rated than our podcast usually gets. No, it's important. Go for it. The depiction of female sexuality in this book drove me, honestly, quite literally mad. Like, I was pulling out my hair. She is apparently always wet. That Mm -hmm. is the term. I'm using scare quotes. Obviously, colloquialism, but like she's basically always ready to have intercourse. And the reality is that is not how women work, from what I have gathered. (laughs) (laughs) And they also do not ever engage in oral sex, which I found particularly confronting, considering that these are supposedly teenagers. Like her very first sexual interaction is kissing straight to intercourse. I was just like, in what day and age? Absolutely yes. not. So Aries believes that women going down on men is like a super intimate private experience. This is also, by the way, a man who uh, fingers Raquel on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. In front of everyone. Of her 16th birthday party. No, 18th birthday party. 18th, yeah. 18th birthday party in front of everyone in her family. Mm-hmm. But it's very dark. It's dark, so nobody notices that that this is happening. Like, it doesn't make any sense. He goes down on her, but she never does on him because it's this, Mm -hmm. like, super intimate act that he's not interested in engaging and it doesn't make sense. It's weird. Literally, no man I have ever met. (laughs) Literally. But here's the more dangerous part, as far as I'm concerned. Like, Mm -hmm. these are the kinds of episodic stories that young women read, girls read, before they're sexually active, right? Sure. Yep. And I think that Godoy is, this is dangerous stuff. Mm-hmm. The way she frames, first of all, every single sexual encounter between the two of them is orgasmic. Every yep. single sexual encounter has them both orgasming together, mm-hmm. exclusively from penetration when they're together. Yep. Yep. It's setting particularly young, like particularly virgin women mm-hmm. up for absolute failure absolute failure and it's setting expectations like there's one point where he he touches her and she orgasms basically mm-hmm. yeah there's one point where he describes himself as like falling or she falls onto his penis yeah. And then orgasms almost immediately. Yeah. He's always, quote unquote, massaging her breasts, which sounds- Oh my gosh. <laughs> awful. Like, it sounds so painful. It sounds so painful. But uh, again, he does it and she will orgasm immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, this is actually, this is not okay. It's not it's okay. It's not real. It's, no. It's not even fantasy, though. It's not even fantasy, because if you've ever had sex, the sex in this book actually takes you completely out of the fantasy, because mm-hmm. it's so anatomically confusing half the time. Yeah. Yeah. It is legitimately baffling. It was one of the ways that I got through the book was to laugh hysterically at the sex scenes, because 
I just could not believe what I was reading most of the time. Like it started to become a drinking game that I would envision, you know, like, oh, okay, they're going to have sex. Do we think they're both going to orgasm at the, oh, ding, there we go. Everybody <laughs> take a shot. <laughs> it actually makes like the exploration of sexuality and after look nuanced. Right. Which is, Which is scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, why don't we transition over to the film, because I was very curious to see how we were going to adapt this. Yes. Aunque suene ridículo, todo comenzó con la clave del wifi. Porque el wifi tiene la capacidad de unir mundos distintos. Ares Hidalgo. Una familia que, aunque viva puerta con puerta en mi casa, pertenece a un mundo muy distinto al mío. ¿Estás usando mi wifi? ¿Te crees que no se lo de tu pequeña obsesión conmigo? Está en clave, ¿no? Se parece mucho a Ares, dios griego. Okay, so the film comes out in 2022. And one of the things I was most excited to hear is that this is not an English language production. We move the action to Barcelona, Spain. And I think it's a very smart strategic choice because... Even the sort of comfort level with sexuality feels mm -hmm. much more appropriately European Agreed. <laughs> in this case. Agreed. Okay, so this is from a screenplay by Edward Sola. It's directed by Markel Forez. I'm probably going to do the accent in all the wrong places because I always try to read uh, Spanish in French. But we have... Julio Pena as Aries, we have Clara Galle as Raquel, Pilar Castro as Rosa Maria. I'm assuming that's her mom. She seems way too young to be her mom, by the way. Yeah. Also, her mom is not a nurse arbitrarily. She's just never around. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have Hugo Arbuez as Apollo. That's the younger brother. We have Eric Massip as Artemis. That's the older brother. He gets a more beefed up role with Emilia Lazo's Claudia, who is the housekeeper that he's having a secret affair with, something that's only really hinted at in the book. Mm -hmm. And then we have Rachel Lascar as Sophia. That's the matriarch of the Hidalgo family. And then Natalie Azahara as Danny and Guillermo Lasheris as Yoshi, who is, as you mentioned, combined two characters. Mm -hmm. So, Brenna, the film makes a couple of distinct choices. As we said, it moves the action to Barcelona, but it also it gets rid of the suicide attempt by mm -hmm. Yoshi, which I think mm -hmm. is very smart. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of condense things down. So, like, there's a girl in the book who is Aerie's best friend, Sammy, and she she kind of thought that she was going to be the one to get him to turn over a new leaf, and it doesn't happen. And we get some extra insight into, like, oh, okay, I guess this does make Raquel a bit of a Mary Sue, because she's the only one. She's the mm -hmm. magical one who could land him. Mm -hmm. And this character is in the movie, but I could not tell you who it is, because basically, if you are not in this central relationship, you do not matter in the film. She's the girl on FaceTime when he goes over to the game room. Sure. Okay. <laughs> could not have told you that. Yeah. No, it's all good. <laughs> I kept wondering why they bothered to do an adaptation here, Joe, because okay. <laughs> the characters are not so unique that you would have needed to pay for the adaptation here, I don't think. Like, mm. 
you just you got a family of rich people and then you got some dumb girl like okay like that story's <laughs> been told 10 million times right they change all the plot points and i'm not saying it's a bad thing like i i think it's probably a good thing but i guess this is the reach of Wattpad in a way that I don't understand because mm-hmm. they clearly thought it was lucrative enough, even though they wanted to change so much of it to the absolutely chaotic and bizarre climax scene. <laughs> I, I guess that's the reach. Like, I guess that's they wanted those readers to come and see this film. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not an adaptation. It's very obviously an adaptation. Mm-hmm. I guess I just don't get why they bothered given all the changes that they seem to make which as i say are probably good because the original book is like not great (laughs) but you know what i mean yeah so we're still hitting a lot of the same kind of plot points particularly early on in the early stages of the relationship so we do go to the hidalgo nightclub opening we do get apollo drunk we'll we'll talk about a couple of key sex scenes yeah eve sedgwick called she wants to triangulate some desire with you later (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh um but you're not wrong that so much of this story is very bare bones like in some ways i don't understand why this film also needed to be nearly an hour and 50 minutes long because (laughs) so much of it is just you know okay we go on a date you act like an a-hole uh i forgive you we have sex we do it all over again like the conflict isn't quite there to the point where I thought, well, this could be 80 minutes. Like, we could have really dialed this back yeah. a lot. They had this totally absurd backstory, by the way, which is that Raquel doesn't want to be a psychologist anymore. Now, oh, gosh. Raquel wants to be a writer because mm-hmm. her father, who I guess is dead, though it's not actually clear to me that he's dead. No. He's not there, though. But his mother, her mother still speaks very fondly of her father, which is what leads me to believe it's not a divorce situation. Mm-hmm. Um But her father was a writer, but he was never brave enough to submit his manuscript for publication. Right. So that is the bizarre backstory that that leads to Raquel to write through my window and read it, Mm -hmm. I guess, all 18 hours of it on Wattpad to her class. And then she gets a standing ovation. Here's the thing, I don't even know that that's her class at the end of the movie, because it looks like she's doing it in a, like a library or a really ornate uh, bookstore or something. Like, it's really confusing, because I think some of those people are people from her writing group where she was afraid to share it earlier in the movie. And yet, yeah, the crowd here is so big, and this is clearly not the same classroom. So I was like, wait, is this a time jump where she's now a successful author? Because also the writing is still garbage and no one would clap for that. <laughs> it's, that's the worst part is like she reads something like, and that is how Ari's helped me to be brave. And then mm-hmm. they all give it a standing ovation. It's absurd. Yeah. It's the so reality absurd. is tomatoes would be flying. <laughs> um, Joe, mm-hmm. we have to talk about the climax of the film. Yes. So one of the other interesting details the film adds is that Ares has, uh, he will only swim in salt water because he has a severe chlorine allergy. And as soon as they said that, I thought, oh, well, I know where this crap is going. (laughs) And lo and behold, we end the movie at prom, Brenna. Where Ares gets pushed into the pool by Yoshi, but it's not like a full pool or anything. It's basically an empty pool that he's knocked out, and then he falls into about a foot of chlorinated water. 
and nearly dies and has a severe allergic reaction. Uh, Raquel has to save him, but he's apparently in the hospital for weeks. My favorite part of that, my favorite part of that is when she sees Yoshi and they have this like reunion because she's like, he stood me up, but he didn't really stand her up. He's in the pool. Right. And Yoshi's like, I have to confess something to you. And he says like, I punched Ari's and he fell in the pool. And she looks at him and she goes, the pool. The pool. And, and that's when I was like, oh, the chlorine allergy, uh, right. It's so melodramatic. I actually kind of loved it. I, <laughs> I love the fact that we didn't do, because this is in place of Yoshi's yes. suicide attempt in the book, right? So we needed something big and dramatic and life stakes altering. And I thought, this is actually the perfect amount of melodrama that I'm looking for from this dumb, dumb movie. It, oh it built spot on in a way that a lot of the rest of the film either didn't have the gumption to go for. Yeah. Like the sex is not sexy in this no. movie. Although I did appreciate that we condense a lot of it down to a montage yeah. of them just having sex in really voyeuristic public places. I like the sex montage, but it's funny because they have no chemistry together whatsoever. Oh boy. Yeah. Like the film's biggest failure is that these two lead actors have absolutely no chemistry together, which makes their first sexual encounter my favorite, Brenna, so much so that I had to text you as yeah. I was watching it. Yeah. So after we get Apollo drunk at the club, we end up having to bring him back to Raquel's place because we can't send him home drunk or else they're, they're super, you know, anal retentive dad will get mad. So... Aries comes in in the book he just gets really really mad and I think like they sleep on the floor and then like she sees his morning wood in the morning or some crap like that here she actually climbs into bed in between the brothers yeah who are holding hands yeah the brothers are holding hands because Aries is trying to reassure his younger brother who is like super wasted and trying to sleep it off so the brothers are holding hands and then Aries basically fingers Raquel to orgasm of course yeah of course but this is all happening with a drunk Apollo next to them who keeps backing his tidy whitey mm -hmm. butt up into Raquel's groin basically yeah, so it, it's basically a menage a trois between the two <laughs> brothers with Raquel there and the film doesn't treat it like it's a weird thing nobody no. says anything about it Apollo never references it so Joe it's meant to be super hot. And I was just like, no, this is weird. It was really, really <laughs> weird, folks. <laughs> so, Jill, mm -hmm. you know, our younger listeners or our non-lit or film crit listeners, they probably weren't as steeped in the triangulation of desire theory as mm -hmm. we were as undergrads. Um, so... <laughs> And I'm sure it's an outdated theory. Like, I have not kept up with gender studies. I don't know where Eve Sedgwick fits into the, like, grand canon now. <laughs> sure. But when I was an undergrad, I must have read Triangulation of Desire, like, four times. And this is Eve Sedgwick's book, which sort of theorizes that male friendships, you know, often in literature and film, we have a close male friendship and there's a woman who comes between them, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's the oldest trope in the book. Sure. And the idea is that, like, the two men would really like to be having sex with each other, mm -hmm. but instead they triangulate that desire through the female character. Right. I have never seen such an obvious. <laughs> it's a literal representation of Eve Sedgwick's triangulation of desire than the scene you're describing. And there's a moment where the camera pans up, so you just see their three bodies, mm -hmm. and 
Apollo is like completely like almost like a baby. He's so relaxed and asleep right. with his hand like clenched in Ares's fist. And Raquel is like mid orgasm. Mm-hmm. I was just like, what is this movie? <laughs> What is yeah. this about? These two brothers want to have sex with each other. Which, to be honest, uh, if, if that was where the film was going, it would be more interesting. It would be more risque. But the film doesn't want to go there. And the fact that they still include something like this to me is frankly really bizarre. It's so bizarre. <laughs> like, I'm I'm all for, like, give me an incest drama if that's what we want to explore. Give me... Yeah, like some kind of bisexual awakening where this is Apollo realizing, oh, I kind of liked being in the middle of something like this. You know, absolutely, let's explore it. But the movie doesn't actually have any interest in doing that because it's far too concerned with telling this, frankly, boring and cliched (laughs) perspective of if I can only convert this bad boy, he will be the best boyfriend ever. Yep. Also, we should note, uh, the actor who plays Ares, he is very good looking, but I was actually kind of glad that he looks a bit more like an actual human being. Like, he's obviously yeah. very jacked, he's very fit, but he's not a muscle-bound no, moron like we would expect yeah. to see in a North American version of this story. Yeah, everybody is about 10 degrees more normal than they would be in an American adaptation of this, for Mm -hmm. sure. And the sex is more normal and like the settings are more normal. Like everything is just taken down a couple of notches, which Mm -hmm. is only to the good. But the reality is that with the exception of a couple of totally bonkers scenes, Mm -hmm. this is like a doze fest for the whole middle section. Basically, everything from the brother sex to the chlorine poisoning that whole middle section is pretty dozy i fell asleep twice and had to rewind and start again and then you realize oh i didn't actually miss anything because (laughs) it's so bizarre how the film it obviously reduces the number of the characters it dials back on a number of the scenarios and yet we still have too many people that the movie isn't actually interested in exploring like i think i said off the top I don't know why Danny is in this movie because she doesn't have an arc except to show up with Apollo at the prom. And clearly we're going to set things up for the sequel. Yeah. But at the same time, it just, it's like, why? <laughs> like, why? I don't understand. You're just, I guess, appeasing fans of the book. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't get any of it. I'll be mm-hmm. honest with you, Joe. And I feel like, you know, even when we don't like something, we usually, between us, do a decent job of figuring out who it's for or right. what the appeal is. But I really struggle with that here because everything that you would get out of the book version, I feel like you would get out of the Wattpad version. Like You didn't need to buy the book to have mm-hmm. that experience. And the film, I don't think it gives you enough of the – I guess like the dirty stuff, which I presume is the attraction of the Wattpad version – I don't know. I just don't get it. But it's obviously popular enough that it's getting another movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. From what I gathered, the film was very successful. But I wonder if this is just another one of those examples of, I'm going to generalize, I apologize, but I think I'm probably on the right track. I'm imagining it's older ladies who are kind of living vicariously through hot teenagers having sex and if that's your bag that's great but also i do think that you could probably do better you can do better this doesn't seem 
trashy or rompy enough for that. It's not no. campy. It's not really fun enough for it. Like, you can do better than this. I actually had the... This is an actual thought I had midway through finally getting through the movie last night. Mm -hmm. I literally thought to myself, I need more romp in my sex romp. Right? There's not enough romp here. We need to be having more fun. Yeah, we need to be having more fun. And they're not. Like, that's the mm -mm. thing. I know it's a romance and not a comedy, but both book and film would benefit from not taking themselves so seriously like yes. you're right joe that the most successful part of the film is the bonkers climax because it's not taking it's not taking itself seriously in that moment like when when yoshi's pulling them both out of the pool via that like rope thing like mm -hmm. all of it is silly and goofy and it's the it's the most successful part of the film because it's why you watch something like this but like the book is so much brooding and it's like mm -hmm. it's tedious brooding and the film is just I don't know. It, the film really suffers from the fact that the two protagonists don't yeah. really pop. Yeah, considering that that is the number one reason to make this into a film is so that you can see these characters actually have sex and not just have to imagine it. Yeah. They needed to do a chemistry test with these two. Yeah. Also, we didn't say he's literally treated like a white knight in the book because he, oh, yeah. he stops people from sexually assaulting her yeah yeah which is just an extra dose of ick it's an extra dose of ick and it also gives him a reason to control her even more fully which mm -hmm. is also gross i really don't recommend this book and especially no. oh, God, if no. you have young girls about your life i would just i would intervene this is one of the few books where i just think like I think it's a waste of time for adults to read but i, th mm -hmm. I think it's one of the few books that might be actively dangerous for young girls to read yeah, like it's on par with Twilight in terms of abusive romantic behavior, but also then just the actual inaccuracies about how sex works is, yeah. it's not good. No, it's not good. It's not good at all. Rena, let's play some YA bingo. No, let's do it. Bingo! Not a good bingo. I think we could do reasonably well I think we're going to do very well. So I'm giving it to coincidental classes. Oh, for sure because of the writing class where mm -hmm. she is apparently just writing smut <laughs> and getting standing o's in the movie of course obviously in the book we have a christmas climax scene and in the film we have the prom so mm -hmm. it gets that square uh, i'm gonna give it montage for the sex montage which mm -hmm. in the film was just such a relief right there's a lot of abuse in the book yes we have a female oh wait i didn't look do we have a female director no our screenwriter no it's a dude oh god mm -hmm. oh i should have known uh okay never mind um house porn for the hidalgo's mansion especially sure. the version of it that's in north carolina because what <laughs> it's wild yeah i'm gonna give perfect date to i mean frankly i wouldn't have had sex on the top of a building because all you need is one strong gust and you might go over the side. Uh, but it looked like they were having a good time in the film. It did. That's true. Um, I'm going to give it to Dead Family and mm -hmm. Dead Body. Um, for the film version, Grandpa never actually succeeds in kicking the bucket in the book, but he does in the film. Right. And I think the dad is dead also. So I'm going oh, to give it to that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have a Netflix connection. I think that this is big on Spanish language Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. These are stable actors. Um, hollow romances, Joe. <laughs> Just to the max, yeah. Just some light hollow romancing. 
know what's wild to me? Uh, we don't have any queerness in either of these two texts. No, like, I kept queerness. waiting for a reveal that one of these boys who follows Raquel around is like her gay bestie, and it never happens. Like, I think there's some queer coding of Danny in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. you, you see her she kind of like, a girl. yeah, but it also feels incredibly performative yes. in one of those, like, oh, we're trying to turn people on by having this hot teenage girl kiss yes. a girl. I thought it was strange too. And it made me, you know, I was texting Joe at one point and I was like, what do we know about this author? I'm getting Mormon vibes. And I think mm. the reason I'm getting Mormon vibes is how do you have a book with this much sex and absolutely no queerness in the right. year of our Lord 2022 when it got published? Like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that we need to make an argument for either Manic Pixie Dream Person or the Chosen One. I don't think she can be both, but she is one or the other, right? Because she is the only person who can turn Aries. Yeah, I went with the Chosen One because it's her story. If it had been his story and she was Uh, the one who turned him, I would have said she's the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I love it. Okay, that's that's a good distinction. Um, Wildly inauthentic voice. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Greek god, witch. Like, uh, people people don't speak like this. Nobody speaks like this. No. And thank goodness they just really dial that back for the film. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> and I guess there's a there's an argument to be made for good friendships between Danny and uh, Raquel in the book version. Certainly not in the film version. Danny's no. basically invisible in the film, but in the book mm-hmm. version. Yeah, I, I actually think that they're reasonably good friends in the book to the point yeah. where I, I made me wonder whether Danny gets more to do in the second or third volume, but I was not curious enough to actually look it up. So I think the third volume is from Apollo's perspective and Danny is featured more prominently in that one. Right, yeah. That's the other weird thing about the book is there's this insinuation that Danny is in love with Apollo and he might love her, but that he is actually battling Artemis were the affections of Claudia. Okay, yeah. So I have to confess, Joe, that when the film was explicit about the Claudia Artemis thing, I hadn't read ahead. Like I hadn't found out what book two was about at that point. So I didn't know. But I thought from the way the book positions it, I thought Claudia was having an affair with the grandfather. Oh, yeah. You know what? I could also see that. (laughs) That's totally what I thought was happening. And I was like, oh, she's cheating on the dead grandfather. (laughs) (laughs) she's just banging all of these boys apparently (laughs) well and she has this matronly motherly relationship to aries and apollo so the Mm -hmm. fact that she's also banging artemis is just like i don't know man boundaries and family stuff in this series i don't know I don't know. Right? Like, give me a Flowers in the Attic version of the Hidalgo, because the, these books are apparently called the Hidalgo Saga or the Hidalgo Trilogy, to which I also think is really weird when your lead character in at least volume one is not a member of that family. Well, this is the problem with the book in general, right? Is that it is ultimately deeply disinterested in its own protagonist. Mm-hmm. And so are we, let's mm-hmm. be honest. True, 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 true. All this to say, we got a line. Oh, thank goodness. You did something right, book. (laughs) Okay, Brenna, let's not read another Wattpad for about another year, shall we? I can't do it, Joe. I can't do it. And you know, like, when Wattpad first came out, I was like, yes, like, how cool is this? Alternative publishing platforms, yes. But 
you know, invest in some of the process around publishing books if you want to make these into hard copies. Otherwise, just leave them be as their fan fiction alternative that they are. Mm. Ooh, I realized what the other one was. It was The Kissing Booth. Oh, I hated that book. <laughs> I remember, yes. <laughs> hated that book a lot. And that went on to have like 27 volumes too. It has a trilogy. Yeah, for sure. It's the same. Those are the same number. <laughs> okay, Brenna, let us never speak about this text again. Uh, but if people want us to talk about it on the mailbag, how would they get in touch? Well, I would rather they didn't about this particular title, but I know, you know, I don't have control. Oh, actually, here's the thing. Give us an example of a YA book that actually has good sex in it. Yeah, actually, I would take that. Absolutely. Okay, so if you want to do that, you can find us on Twitter at HKHSPod or on the hashtag HKHSPod. Joe, where do they find you? I can be reached at B still my remote, and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray. That's gray with an A. And for anything long form, email is best to get into the mailbag. You can find us HKHSPod at gmail.com. Com. Mm -hmm. Joe, mm -hmm. we are moving on to something with just as much sex, but that's much, much funnier next week's episode. Indeed. Yes. I'm still surprised that this is a title that you didn't have any previous experience with. So you'll hear me describe how delighted I was to introduce Brenna. But uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be touching base with the revamped Clone High that is airing on Max, which is what HBO Max used to be. So exciting. And then we're also going to be uh, checking out The Summer I Turned Pretty Season 1 in advance of Season 2 coming out. So keep an eye out for that and read the book if you haven't. Um, and then just a note that you're running out of time for book club. So if you've been reading Stolen, please do get your feedback in about book club when you can. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. Plenty of things coming up. At least we know for sure, because we've already recorded the Clone High episode, that uh, <laughs> it's going to be quite a lot better than this conversation. So. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, I will see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. This... Uh, the, okay, so the practice... No, I don't mean... <sighs> Such hang on. George, go where you're going. You're being left. Go on. Go all the way up. Go all the way up. Thank you. <clears throat> so Joe. <laughs>